the most exciting because it's the nearest to life that there is. Mm. So when you go, the fans stand up, they dance, they clap. It's fantastic. Any live event is is all about the, the whole sensation, the taste, the smell. You know, you go to a rock and roll show, you want to smell that hideous beer on the floor smell. And laughter is contagious. So you're going to laugh more when you're laughing with other people. Welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast. And hello, we're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Aguilera. And my name is Anna Robb. On this episode, we'll be talking to Steve Kemsley about broadcasting and how live entertainment can take advantage from it during and after the COVID-19 pandemic. Steve is one of the world's foremost directors of entertainment and commercial programming. He has directed and produced hundreds of TV ads, DVDs, TV programs, concerts, and live events. In April 2008, he launched Sassy Films with a vision to simply become the most successful and creative audiovisual agency in the business. Currently, he is based out of London. Hello, Steve. Welcome. Hello, Anna's. Anna and Anna's. <laughs> Welcome to the show. And thank you for joining us. All right. So tell us a little bit about you and your career, and then we're going to start to uh, question you about uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and, and more. Well, I'm, I'm old, so I've had a long career. I was, I was 55 a couple of days ago, actually. So I've been, and thank you, I've been in the entertainment space and the media space my whole life. I started off as a, as a DJ and um, I was about 15 years old with a mobile disco and I, I grew into becoming one of London's top club DJs and then I went around the world doing that sort of stuff, which was a completely different DJ world to it is to what it is today. I would have been a much richer person had I done all of that 20 years later. But in those days, we just had fun and we earned a bit of money. <clears throat> and in the early 80s, early to mid 80s, I became a, what was called a VJ, uh, which was a brand new concept, a video jockey. It was just before MTV or around about when MTV started. And I was playing out music videos at a place called the Video Cafe in London. I then set that up in Sweden and in uh, California, Northern California, just north of L.A., And I had a lot of fun. And then I came back and I joined a company called Diamond Time and I made music video programming for public locations. So back in the 80s and the early 90s, there were things called video jukeboxes around the world. And I created programs for all of them uh, all around the world. And I stayed there for 10 years. And then uh, I don't, I'm not very good with years. But then when I was at, at 30 years old, so 25 years ago, whatever that was, Um, I started my own business, which was called Banana Split Productions. And we started shooting stuff and making terrible karaoke videos and, and all sorts of things. And then I moved more and more into production and I became a fully fledged exec producer, producer. And more, more than that, I was, um, my active role was I was a director. So I directed all of the output of that business. About eight years later, I was lucky enough to sell the business. We grew it. We had about 60 people in the end. And uh, I sold it to the BBC. 
and then they made me become a gardener for two years. I did what's called gardening leave, and uh, and then I set up Sassy Films. How many years ago was it, Anna? No, no, it's a lot more. That was written a long time ago, that bit of copy you found. So it was about 14 years ago now I set up Sassy. And uh, we have a big studio in London, in in Elstree, and we have um, another one in central London where I'm talking to you from. And uh, I have writers, producers, directors, and 11 edit suites and a TV studio and all that kind of thing. And these days, um, I'm more of an exec producer, so I help put the projects together. I'm still the most experienced producer in my building, so I'm there for my people to ask me any questions. And I guess because I've been around so long, it's a lot easier for me to answer these questions at this stage in my career. Uh, and if I don't know the answer, I certainly know someone that does know the answer. Uh, so we have a cool business called Sassy, and Sassy is named after my daughter, whose name is Saskia. Wonderful. I call her Sassy, um, and it's a cool name anyway. Uh, and she's <laughs> a cool kid. Um, and I still direct, uh, but not as much as I used to. I now only direct the, the stuff I want to direct. So um, I've pretty much done everything. Um, except I haven't made a movie. Well, actually, I have made a, a half an hour movie. It was cool. Uh, but I do a lot of live stuff. I like adrenaline. I like the adrenaline of live. I'm not a great rehearser unless I have to be. Um, I, I don't work off live scripts. I just shot, just before lockdown, I shot um, two musical stars from England called Michael Ball and Alfie Bow. Uh, they're really famous musical stars and they're, they're pop stars in their own right. And I've worked with Michael since the mid-90s, since the early 90s, actually. I shot four or five concerts of his. And in the early days, it was, um, it was video. Then it was DVD. And then things went on to satellite TV with things like Sky Arts in Europe. And, uh, and now the last one, which we did at the O2 with 17,000 people there, it was planned to go live into cinemas, uh, but it actually wasn't purely live. It was a week later, but I shot mm-hmm. it live and we did very, very little post on it. We might have coloured up a few shots, but it was really cool. And, uh, and then the lockdown came, so the cinemas shut. So we are pushing that out again on September the 12th, I think it's in cinemas in the UK, which I'm really excited about if they're open. And then, and then it will get a DVD release, release later in the year for Christmas. But DVD isn't what it used to be. And there are other ways of, of the fans downloading the, the product. And, uh, but the cinema thing is mm. really cool. It, it's, really, it's really worked well for us in the last four or five years. We've done the biggest and the coolest stuff that's been in cinema. We've got the UK stroke, no, we've got the European box office records positions one, two, three, and four, um, which is cool. But we do work with the most famous pop stars, so it's a little bit easier. So we've done three Take That tours. We've done Cliff Richard, who is the English Elvis still. <laughs> uh, we were. We were going to do his 80th birthday at the Albert Hall in October, but 
that's been cancelled, but we'll do it again next year. And we've done a, a band called Westlife that used to be a boy band, and we did stadiums with them. Uh, one of the Anders smiling. I'm old enough to know who Westlife is. But <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, cool. I, listen, I've worked with Westlife for 20 years, and I did them really way back in the beginning mm. when they were huge, actually, in the Asia region. They were enormous in Indonesia. And I worked with them back then, and it's, it was really cool to do something with them 20 years later, and they put on a great show. So explain to explain to us, who, for the people who don't know anything about that this industry, what, what is your involvement with those bands in terms of your your involvement like what from start to finish what what does sassy films do for those top stars we we connect with the artist so we make the initial connection generally it's because of a, a personal relationship or our reputation and we say the tour's going to sell out you've already sold 400,000 tickets there are still fans that won't get to see this tour uh so in the case of some of the acts we've worked for, they're not going to do 200 dates a year. They're too, they don't want to work that hard. They already do long tours. It's where there's more supply, sorry, where there's more demand than there is supply. So, for example, take that, couldn't go to certain places in the world on the first tour we did for them. So I said, why don't we put it in similar? So we put it in Australia. We put it in... Um, various regions, most of Europe, South America, where they sell records, basically. And we had, geez, we had well over 600,000 people coming to see it on one night in the cinema, which is really cool. And it's a cool concept. Uh, and if the artists know that they can perform, it's not going to be great. Listen, I'm, this is not disparaging, but one of my favorite rock stars is uh, Liam Gallagher. Mm -hmm. Liam has just done a live record and he sounds fantastic on it, but he doesn't sound fantastic on every song for every second of every show because he, he blows and um, he, he might need a bit of post-production, but the artists we've worked with are fantastic singers and you've got to be good to sound good in a cinema. You know, you've got 7.1 surround sound speakers and we, we light it, we, we produce it, we, place the cameras, we direct it, we do all the logistics of working with the tour, uh, working with the venue, working with the cinemas, uh, creating the publicity materials that now go out online. And, you know, it's a great extra income for the talent. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, it's the new thing for us to do, having gone through video, DVD, television, Cinema is the latest incarnation of all that. And it's, it's the most exciting because it's the nearest to live that there is. Mm. So when you go, the fans stand up, they dance, they clap. It's fantastic. And they get the best, they get the better than best seat in the house. You know, Gary Barlow's face is that big on a giant screen and, it, and they love it. It's pretty cool. So the answer is we do absolutely everything from A to Z. And that's, a, I guess that's probably a good model that could be used given our current climate as well, right? Because they may not be able to tour like they used to. Yeah, uh, certainly. And you can do it live and online. Sassy does a lot of live online stuff. In fact, two weeks ago, uh, we have a client called Vodafone, who are a big telecommunications company. 
and we put uh, another English singing star called Catherine Jenkins, who's beautiful, and she's a bit of an operatic star. And we put her live into a collection of care homes, so old age homes, as I used to call them, and I don't think that's politically correct now, but care homes. And we, we shone some brightness and some sunshine into these care homes. They were all sat there, uh, socially distanced, um, quite quiet because they were pretty old, but they absolutely loved it. And she sang and performed for them. And we also uh, went out live on Vodafone's website and live on Facebook. So again, we created a safe environment to shoot live. We liaised with the artists. We did the musical clearances and that was a pain. And, uh, and it was a really successful gig. And it brought some love and light into people's homes. I think most artists, and, and I would agree with this, you know, pushing out onto a phone or a laptop for a big live musical event is not ideal. I know that young people nowadays are used to consuming everything on a screen, a laptop or a, or a phone or an iPad. Uh, uh, but those of us that are a little bit older and, and still have the grandiose of live theatre, live music, that's not the best way to see it. Yeah. And we're going to resist that, I think, for a while. I think talent will resist it. Although stuff is going out live on the internet all the time, uh, but not the big and really cool stuff. You do have a campaign, or I'd say it's a campaign that you call Broadcast From Anywhere. Is that right? Yeah. yeah Can yeah. you tell us about it? Well, it's, it, it basically means that life continues under these restrictions and there's nowhere in the world if you can physically get there that you can't broadcast live. You, got, you need an internet connection and you need some power. The power you can have a generator so you can do it from the desert or you can do it from Catherine Jenkins' back garden. So wherever we can physically get to and get an internet connection, you can go live from anywhere. We just made a film for Bentley cars uh, under COVID restrictions, but we had um, a camera on the back of a tracking vehicle. We had a small crew, beautifully spaced, because we were shooting outdoors in the city of London and on the south coast of England. And we've created a, a gorgeous film under these crazy conditions. And you just, you just adjust and you, you work from wherever you need to work. What, what would you recommend, you know, because there's a lot of discussion, especially with people trying to put events back on around the world and trying to obviously probably do what you do, but they have no experience in, in the quality of what you guys are very experienced in. So what would you advise event companies or people that are trying to live stream or do what you do? Is it to employ a company to do it? Is it like, how do they upskill? How do they, how do they deliver the quality that you do in their events and their projects they get in a time machine and they go back 25 years and they gain the amount of experience that we've got or they call us now seriously there are not many companies in the world that do what we do and they have the level of experience that we have on the really large scale events i think to pump out a small theater experience online is not too difficult and smart kids can do that uh you Jeez, you can do it with your phone. Uh, you know, you can go live on, on pretty much anything. It depends on the content. 
So the content that we work with, we have big sound trucks and we, we can have live audio mixing for between 70 and 150 channels. Alfie and Michael had 18 other musicians on the stage. So that's about 85 to 100 channels of, of audio. So you, you don't get to do that uh, unless you've got experience at doing that. Mm. It really depends on the subject matter. So a comedian is a microphone and a guy or a gal, and that's easy. You can pump that out live anywhere. Anyone could do it. But I really think for the big, big stuff, call sassy. <laughs> We've started doing also what um, are some remote productions. So basically all you very skilled team gets a piece of equipment and then they put it together. Or How, how does that work? <laughs> how did you do this call today? Same concept. Mm. You both got computers. We dialed up to Zoom and we're all talking Someone's in Hong Kong, someone's in Carolina, and, uh, and, and we make it happen. It's the same concept, really. So you have remote uh, live panels. You have a director in their home, and he can either cut it live or he can talk on a, on a pre-channel to um, the show caller and the show mixer. And you do it's exactly the same thing as when you do it in a building, except you're in different buildings. As long as the mm. communications are solid, it's 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 easy if you know how yeah do you think that this is good this period of time is going to shape the landscape of what you do in the future like is it going to be more of this stuff online and or you think is i mean i'm hopeful that all, people will always like the live event right so how do you foresee it you can't replace life you just can't it's not as good it's just a human thing it, you know what do I think this will shape our future, this COVID pandemic? To a degree, it will, because we will realise that things like this, a call, a meeting, a podcast, can be done anywhere in the world. There'll be less meetings, but, you know, I don't, I don't have to hop on a plane and go to Los Angeles to meet an artist and their manager. I can do it by Zoom. It's perfectly acceptable. But a live event is a live event, and that ain't going anywhere. I mean, we have a lot of theatres in London that were built 100 years ago, and the seating is too uncomfortable. I'm six foot, and it's hard. And they need to, they need to modernise those and get a bit more space, a bit more comfort, perhaps, for a theatre experience. But rock and roll and pop and, and any live event is is all about the, the whole sensation, the taste, the smell. You know, you go to a rock and roll show, you want to smell that hideous beer on the floor smell. Uh, and for those of us that love music the way I love music, I've been going to gigs since I was 15 years old. You know, I'm the guy that got home at midnight without my mum and dad knowing <laughs> and set his, clock, yeah, set his clock radio with the alarm for school in the morning so loud that it woke the whole house up because my ears were still ringing from the show. And that, that's never going to change. You can't ever beat live. But the next best thing is what we're doing. But that experience has got to be pretty special. So a cinema screen and scale and big size is really cool. I mean, I've got a, I'm lucky enough to have a really big TV at home. So actually with a good sound system and a really big telly, it's still pretty cool. But being with other people 
is what we live for, whether it's our partners, whether it's our friends, whether it's with our community or with other people that love the subject that we're going to see in concert or form. It's that sense of community. You know, I always say that I'm, I'm not a huge comedy fan because I'm, stuff is funny. I mean, I love Ricky Gervais when he does the Emmys and he, he, he roasts everybody. He does. <laughs> I've shot a lot of comedy in my time. People like Jackie Mason, Joan Rivers is a comedian. I've done five shows for called Tim Vine in the UK. It's fantastic. Uh, Dave Spikey. I've done a lot of that stuff. And laughter is contagious. So you're going to laugh more when you're laughing with other people. Mm. And you go see a horror movie. If someone screams, you scream with them. On your own, it's a different experience. I mean, you were doing it pre-COVID. And do you think it's just going to get some momentum, the idea of doing this kind of live, but also live streamed events, mixed kind of events? So you have the concert going on and you have a lot of people, but at the same time you're sending it to a screen or to a movie theater so more people can see it. Okay, so this is a changing phenomenon. And the, 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 the real answer to your question is it's all based on simple economics and money. So uh, in the old days, promoters wanted to sell their tickets and they certainly wouldn't allow you to film a show unless they'd sold out. People are learning. It depends on the circumstances with the talent and the act. And if they don't want to tour so much and they think they can get secondary revenue and go out to the fans across the world, then they will do it. And, and it, the answer to your question is it, it will grow. But these gigs that we do, the deal's got to be right, of course. Uh, and there's revenue to be had because tickets cost 15 bucks or whatever it is. You know, half of that money goes to the cinema anyway. Half has got to cover the production. And then, well, that's two halves, so actually. That's not quite correct. Half goes to the cinema, a percentage to cover production and marketing, and then the band get their, their profits, um, which they deserve because they've created what we all want to see. And um, the economics have got to be right. And, and bands like Minimum Commitments. And, uh, and, and the same with theatre hasn't got there yet. I mean, it's getting there. What went live recently? It was a big hit. Les Miserables has done a few things that were live in the cinema. It was fabulous. But they still, there's a lot of resistance in the theatre world to this kind of thing. It's just old-fashioned thinking. Many years ago, 20 years ago, more, I was involved with a thing called Riverdance that, was, uh, that became a hit after the Eurovision Song Contest. And it was a phenomenal almost overnight and we sold well, i helped to sell i was involved in the marketing and my friends sold well over a million vhs's which was unheard of we got the rights we released it, it was a big hit and there's always nervousness that by getting things out to the market via audiovisual technical ways whether it's video dvd television cinema that you're going to stop the success of the live thing. Well, Riverdance is still touring today, mm. all right? So up yours, Mr. Producer, who gave us a really hard time. <laughs> and then Flat, Flatly went on to sell millions of, uh, of DVDs and videos, and he could, if he had the legs, still tour today. In fact, I happen to know that he's going to be doing some stuff with an act that he's putting together. 
So there is room for everyone. There are millions and millions of people in the world and they all like to be entertained. I mean, it sounds like that Sassy and, and yourself, you, you go with the flow in terms of what the market may or may not like, right? And so rather than trying to drive that process, it becomes an organic thing, you know, as people adopt, they've adopted social media and they adopt certain technologies as they come out and Netflix and Spotify and all of these things. And if you stay current, and it seems to me from what you're saying is that Sassy just tries to stay with that that flow, right, so that whatever whatever is evolving that you go with that. You have to be nimble in this business. You have to adapt. You can, and I've learned this after the about 25 years, you can be too early for something. So you can have something that is a great idea and then it happens four years later and you say, oh, I, I knew that four <laughs> years ago. Unless it's a hit and unless you can ride the wave, you're not going to make a success of it. So you might well have an idea, but it's about making it happen. And, and really my advice to anyone that wants to uh, do anything creative and be ahead of the curve is take your time. You know, you, unless you've got gazillions of money, you can make something successful. Look at Rupert Murdoch with Sky Television. You know, we, in the UK, we had four channels, three to start with when I was younger. And he bought out this Sky Television thing. And Sky Television lost millions, hundreds of millions of pounds over nearly 10 years. Uh, he had the money to stay with it and see it out because he knew it was going to be successful. Most people, when they have a great idea and make it happen, will burn and fail. Be nimble, be reactive, be proactive and uh, innovative, but be safe financially and make sure you've got all your bases covered. It's a complicated process, to be honest with you. It's quite a scary one mm. as well. But sounding like coming from your DJ background, that you've you yourself have managed to adapt quite well to being one of the head of Sassy Films now. So that's amazing. We're light on our feet, and we have to adapt and move. The times we brought out that what did you call it, Anna? The, the, the live from everywhere during this COVID, we reacted to the COVID situation within a week. We had produced a deck that went out to a lot of our clients and said, we're ready because we had the skills already and we were there. Mm. And we've used those skills a few times uh, to great effect, but it's a weird time for everyone. I mean, I really feel for everyone that's listening in the live space, you know, theatres are still shut, cinemas are still shut. There's a lot of freelancers out there. Uh, my staff are staff, so we've, been able to furlough and keep some on but this world that you're talking to today that we're talking to today is full of freelancers and it's been a horrible time for them you know the money hasn't been there there's been some help from the UK government here in the UK I don't know what it's like in America I can't imagine Mm, I mean, it differs from place to place, I think. But do you, will you think that Sassy Films will rely a, a little bit more on freelancers coming back rather than getting on full-time staff given this new world? Okay, you're asking me things that are very sensitive for right now because there might well have to be redundancies at my company because of the lack of, of business in the last three months. We, we had two months where there was zero, nothing, just dead. So you have to survive financially. I think the answer is probably, probably. Uh, I like my model. I like building a family. 
where all our experiences are pooled. And I find the freelance thing, you work with some great people and you have a great time and then they're gone. And I like, I like, a, I like love and I like togetherness and I like, I like the family vibe that we have at, at Sassy. Even, there's only 30 of us, but we're like a family. And uh, producer come on, we, we bring in freelancers. Of course, when we do big, big jobs, we bring in, we'll see, we'll see what happens in the future. I ain't got a crystal ball. No, nothing of us do. <laughs> you do have a pretty nice website. Do you want to share it with our audience? Yeah, it's sassyfilms.com. We've always made films, so we called it sassyfilms.com. And I think sassy.com was taken by a, a pram company, a, a stroller company. So sassyfilms.com is out there. It's, it's got a bunch of our work on there. There's some pretty cool live stuff on the master showreel at the beginning. And then as you scroll down, you'll see pictures of the team, which is fun. They're all black and white, and they look pretty cool. And everyone's doing something a little bit silly. <laughs> or, or they're trying to be cool like me. And then there's, there's lots of individual case studies of certain films, and there's a bit of information about the company. You know what? It's a digital brochure. But we are so uh, we have such a, a wide set of experiences that often when we engage with a client, we send them individual case studies that explain what we can do, how we can do it, and some of our past experiences in doing it. But, yeah, sassyfilms.com, baby. Have a look. <laughs> Steve, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate your insight and, and, and your advice on how, to, how we're working through this COVID period. So thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. All right, guys. Please write a review on our podcast whenever you listen to our podcast. Let your friends know about us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life by visiting our website at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on social media and leave your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, or YouTube. We really want to thank David Zaya for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Sharotta, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world.